Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, and today we've got a real treat for you. There's a fabulous little film called Three Chords and the Truth. It's uh, a shot in Newcastle, and uh, it uh, stars uh, the... Uh, amazing uh, Brisbane musician Jackie Marshall. It's opening at the Sun Cinema on the 5th of October and a variety of other cinemas around the country. The film's about Angie, who could have been one of Australia's leading musicians if she wasn't so self-sabotaging. Now in her 40s, she finds herself terminally ill and alone. She struggles financially and plays in a seedy pub to fund the recording of her final album. But as uh, the uh, director, writer-director Claire Pavosky says, the film is actually not just about uh, a portrait of an artist as she faces her impending death. It's also about the power of kindness, connection and healing trauma through music. It's actually quite an amazing film, and I got the chance to have a chat with uh, Claire about the film. I greatly enjoyed your film, Three Chords and the Truth. In fact, it made me cry. I was so impressed by it, I'll have to say. Um, looking at uh, your uh, credits and stuff like that, you, you, you actually have done a lot of work to make your own work. You're a producer, basically. You, you have had to work very hard to get your art out there, haven't you? Can you speak to my people about this? Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's, it's been a long journey and the majority of it has been about creating my own content because unfortunately I haven't been given that many opportunities along the road and hopefully that's changing but um yeah it's it's honestly it has been about creating my own work in order to get a voice and a platform so I graduated from drama school uh, from the Royal um, Conservatoire of Scotland in Glasgow so I got a a scholarship to go over there so I think I had this idea of you know you do all that work to get to the other side of the world, but I was still having to create content. And I think from that came, I guess, a sense of empowerment as well, because it wasn't like, you know, I think a lot of actors will think, oh, I do all the work and then I'll get handed opportunities. That has never been the case for me. And I think it's probably a small handful of people that that actually does happen for. So I think I was lucky to have kind of found that, 
I don't know, I guess it's a drive really of going, okay, I'm going to create my own work. Um, I started that probably from seeing a show at the New York Fringe Festival when I just graduated from drama school. It was a play called Matt and Ben by then a, an unknown writer called Mindy Kaling, who we know has gone on <laughs> to great heights. But that was a play about um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, which was played by women. And, and I was like, this is incredible. But I think it was such a small-scale, clever, really um, satirical little piece that I thought, I, I think I could actually direct this. And from that point, I wrote to, this was back before all the, you know, how fast the internet was in those days, you'd write the email and you'd wait. <laughs> and I got the rights to produce that play. And that was where I began to sort of create my own platforms and work from doing that. So I think, you know, it's been a, it's been a long journey in terms of working as a fringe artist and, and writing, directing, producing. But, yeah, and, and the same thing has happened with film, really. It's been about creating the work, building, 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 <laughs> starting small. But I think the great thing about this piece, it's taken me a lot longer than I, than I had imagined to direct my first feature. It's been like really 20 years, <laughs> 20 years of work to get to this point. But, you know, it had, it's definitely been worth it. And as you say, like it's, um, it's a very emotional piece. It's a very low-budget feature film, but it is speaking to people. And I think that's probably it's it's really a, a life of being like a very long marathon of creating my own work. It's actually quite amazing because um, you you did theatre uh, and then you did a documentary, and uh, and now you've done a feature. Now these are actually quite different types of uh, vehicles to uh, deal with ideas. So tell me about that. I'm very interested in the practicalities of uh, you expressing yourself. Yeah, I, I think too. It's they are very different, but they're also alike in in some ways. So beginning in theatre, that's where I sort of cut my teeth and and learnt how to do things. I think it was that okay, I know how to put on a play. I know how to stage a play because I was an actor, and then I started to write my own material, and from that. I, I think I was also writing screenplays from a very, um, that's, that's been over a long period of time as well. And I think too with theatre it was that it's tangible. So I could write a play, I could get actors I knew, and then I could stage that play. But from staging plays, you know, it's also a very tiring <laughs> process that I think I got to the point where I was like, I could be actually putting all this same energy into creating a film and then I'd have a piece of work that that could travel and that could sustain and didn't disappear after the live event. So um, the, the film stuff really kind of took off when I started to work on a documentary with Narelle Fraser, who's a Melbourne-based Melbourne former um, homicide detective. So that was a true crime piece, um, which is still, that's still in the works. So I'm still trying to complete that. But what I learned from that was things could move faster and if I put the same energy into that, I could do that. And then I made a documentary called Big Sky Girls, which was a documentary short. Uh, that's where I met Jackie Marshall, who is the lead in Three Chords. Uh, so, so yeah, that, and then that film is now, that's available on ABC iView. One of the things that's interesting about this documentary too and about your career in general is that you think big. You 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 sent it out into the world. It's out in the yeah. world. 
and it, and it won awards in New York. Yes. And yeah, yeah. You, you don't you don't think small. No, that's true. That's true. But the things I make do tend to have small budgets so far. But yeah, have you seen Big Sky Girls? No, I haven't. But I will look at look out for it. I mean, yeah, I just so I just read about your um, uh, trajectory, and I thought, oh, this is so fantastic and so interesting because making. Making films is, and this is the bit that we're now going to go into, which is the three chords and the truth, is that it's up close and it's very intimate. And one of the things that I really like about it is that you don't waste words. There's no wasted words. And every all the actors are actually in their roles because what happens often, I find, is that there's this slight tremulous uh insincerity in performance. I don't know why this happens in Australian dramas quite often, not always, but in this particular one, yours, everybody is a foot in their shoe. It's just so nice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think it's that it's really wanting to speak to the um, the experience of isolation, really, mm. um, that so many of us experience, but also that artists do, that you have this idea that, you know, artists are all part of this collective, which, of course, sometimes they are. But the the real thing about the creativity of being alone in the space, and if you remember in the beginning of the film when Angie is playing that live gig and it's just awful <laughs> and it's triggering and, it you know, we were all triggered when we were shooting that because I was thinking about all the small theatre shows I'd done in bars and pubs and and Jackie, all her live events that you're you're putting your heart and soul into and it's just awful and you walk out and you feel empty, but then you go home and you still create something. Mm -hmm. So she plays that concert for one at her piano even though she's feeling like hell. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it is really about the intimacy of the characters alone in their world and then the audience connecting to that isolation and intimacy. I love close-ups. I'm really, we had a makeup artist on set, but really she only did one day of work on the face and then it was like let's get rid of all the makeup and the makeup is only when Angie goes in to perform and and is made up yeah it's it's really quite um a, a magnificent piece of filming I, I I think you've done a great job so it was shot in Newcastle so Jackie's oh, from Brisbane so she's the only she's the only person outside of Newcastle that was involved in the film in terms of cast and crew Everybody else was Newcastle based. So it's very, you know, very intimate kind of setting in terms of quite spare. But yeah, she I met her in Brisbane where I shot Big Sky Girls. So she was brought to that. The other thing is we should actually talk about Jackie Marshall because the the music, the, it's the way the film, because it's about an intimate relationship. It's about a person who's dying, but it's also about a person who's just absolutely um, a, a creative uh, neutron bomb, really. Um, and the music is uh, you float in and out and there's no sort of uh, the vocabulary of the film is so fluid. It's lovely. It's it's uh, uh, the editing is fabulous. Yeah, thank you. I mean, she's she's such an incredible force. Had you heard of her before the film? No, no. So, again, I hadn't heard of her until I met her and it was one of those moments where I just thought, 
how does everybody not know about this person because she's absolutely extraordinary she's unique I met her so you'll have to watch big sky girls after this so you'll see the scope of how I met her it was literally one day's filming in Brisbane and there was something like 40 people in this one little house doing this work musical workshop and I saw her across the room and she was quite ethereal and she was mentoring these girls and they were writing a song together. And there was just something about the way she was in zone that was completely authentic. She didn't know the camera was on her, even though, you know, they'd been told they were getting filmed. She was just in the zone. And the song that they wrote to me really stood out. So I was just interested in her musically. I met so many people on that one day, but she did stick out. And um, my husband, Steve, and I, who are collaborators, we'd been working on this loose concept for a film. And it was about, you know, this young boy, this was his idea, a young boy who has run away from the worst kind of situation in life. And then he's taken in by an older man who becomes his mentor and it changes the trajectory of his life. And I said, I think that's a great idea. But intuitively, I just said, but I think it should be a musical and I think it should be a young girl, not a young boy. And it should be an older woman. And Jackie Marshall should play the woman. And don't know why. <laughs> and he said, I think that's a really fantastic idea. Because he'd met her as well on a different project for the ABC. So he was like, she's incredibly talented. And again, why don't we all know about her? And he said, but just let's leave it for a while. Let's let's workshop it. But don't ring her or anything and start a conversation. So that day I got on the phone, <laughs> even though he said don't get on. You know, we hadn't talked about her. And it was like we were speaking the same language, but it wasn't English. We were just kind of talking high level um, a little bit. We were ethereal. I don't know what it was, but we were communicating and within weeks within even a week we'd committed to making a film somehow so that was October probably around October 5th or 6th and then by December the 1st she'd arrived at our house and we were rehearsing and we were filming so it was very quick she was incredibly generous with her music she also had an ownership to everything so we didn't have to go through a company or anything and she created new songs for the film. So it was like the Apology song, which is that piano song where she gives that confessional, she wrote that in a couple of hours. And that is kind of, if you remember that moment in the film, it's very emotional and it's mm. about letting go and leaving and, yeah, incredibly generous with her creativity. But, yes, it, and the, the tough thing was, the amount of songs and going, okay, we can't use them all. That was the that was the heartbreaking song, but the songs are throughout. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating that you were able to get uh, really well known people as press studs, sort of in the film too, to uh, be involved. That was good. That was very clever of you. I thought. Well, that was kind of miraculous as well because we pulled Richard Wilkins's voice from from YouTube just to have underscoring. And then when we were editing, Steve, again, my husband said, how are we going to get Richard? How are we going to, what do we do? What are we going to do? And I said, I bet Ian Sutherland, who's our executive producer, who just knows, he just knows everybody. I said, I bet, I bet Sutherland knows him. And I just know he knows him. And he said, okay, I'll give him a ring. 
And he goes, oh, yeah, Richard, I saw him this morning. I was at his house for dinner last week. Sure, I'll give him a call. And within within 48 hours, we were in Richard Wilkins's house filming. He was that generous and kind. And he loved the story and just got on board. And, yeah, and Julia Zamiro as well. So that was just lucky with them being generous. Uh, uh, yeah, well, actually, um, I was going to say it's a classic case of uh, people who are well-known are real people. I was just going to say with Richard, it, it sort of has that voice of God as well of this may be in her head, it may be happening, is it real, is it not real? But I think as soon as, as he we went into his place and he kind of, we were having the conversation with him, it really brought the project up as well because we were, it's such a small little film it's quite insular and then when you go to those bigger people it becomes expansive yeah Yeah. that's it was incredibly clever was uh uh you the whole construction of it was very beautifully put together that was what was uh, struck me as a feature film it's structurally it's very clever but um as well as all the other parts which is this uh absolutely breathtakingly um uh charismatic uh, characters uh, with this uh, central tragedy involved. But it does do something else, which is really interesting. It makes comment on uh, authenticity versus fame. They're not the same thing. No, no. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's probably part of my story as well of, of thinking you know, there are there have been many times where I could have gone and done a different kind of career and earned more money, but it has been, I just have to keep creating and I have to keep creating content or else it it's not worth what's life worth. It's it's so important to create, um, to make art, even if nobody sees it. And I think Jackie's the same way. It's like that struck. So she and I are bonded in that we just keep we just keep going, right? Um, so just before Sydney screening, we had a Sydney screening last year that we had something like 400 people turn up to. Jackie had been doing this tour and people, not many people had been going to the concerts, like people weren't going out as much. And it's, you know, it didn't matter if there were six people in the audience or 60, she would just do this extraordinary performance. And it was like watching, you know, it's like watching one of the greats. It's like seeing Janice Joplin or, um, you know, and it's, I just want people to see her and to know her. But the fact is, not that not always the best artists are the ones that are seen. And that's no, really what the film is yeah. also about, is just keep making the world, right? And the other thing that's really interesting about how well you got the different people, like the young girl, Ruby, and her father, the way the father is hardly given any words but he does a great job. And I loved, I absolutely love the guy who is the mixer and owns the studio. You got him so well. Well, probably because he's the real deal. So that's his real life role. So that's his thing. Like he's not an actor, he's a musician and a, and a record producer. So, and he'd all, he also has known, he's also been Jackie's record producer. So by you know, another serendipitous thing, we'd cast someone else in that role and it just wasn't working in the rehearsal. It just didn't work out. And then she said, Jackie said, why don't we just call Lee? And I was like, do you reckon he'd do it? And it was like, yeah, he'll probably. And so he was in Tamworth and we called him and basically he was playing a version of himself. And 
so those scenes, yeah, they're scenes they're written, but there's the, the realness that's underneath them. Yeah, because it's quite confronting. I mean, he's uh, quite hard-edged and rough, but uh, but uh, mm. prepared to pre prepared to give the leeway, which is exactly what these people are like. Yeah, but I think too, like it's been some of the comments about like at some of the Q and A's of why have you made the masculine characters so kind of unlovable? It's like, well, yeah, you could look at it that way, but they've also had those, you know, the Rodney the barman and and um, and the record producer have had those long term relationships with them where she's walked all over them, so they way they've pulled way back, and then the father, of course, of Ruby, he's also got layers there's layers there with that it's like he could be perceived as that but he's not yes he's made terrible mistakes but he's not all bad yeah yeah so I don't it's... think they're unlovable I think they're um quite true to life uh, and confronting yeah. because they're dealing with an emotional world which they're not actually brought up for right right I agree your film is actually interesting all the way through but it's about ordinary things it's about ordinary uh, streetscapes it's about ordinary interiors it's about even the house that she lives in and the business about something as domestic about um, how active it was for her to be looking outside her window and then seeing a young girl escape from her door uh, from her car now that's yeah. in real life that's actually really dramatic this is the story of real life and it's about it's like did you did you know that this thing happened not on tv not in a grand world but in the real world and that's what yeah. your film does and it's the, and it was the fact that it was about people responding to each other emotionally that was so great about this film that's why I like the film so much and also yeah, it was, because it was about girls it was about a, boy, a woman and a, and, a, and a girl child I love that that's right very the, the men are very small like in the periphery but also you're exactly right the kindness thing is if you do that act of kindness which you know leaving the sandwich and leaving the car deliberately unlocked so the girl's got a place to sleep you do one act of kindness and it can change the trajectory of someone's life. But I think also that that character of Angie, she's so multi-layered. She is a bit awful sometimes. She is, she is, has got, you know, mental health problems, addiction problems. She blows up relationships, but then she is also capable of extreme kindness. Yeah, it's just mm. great. I love it. Mm. You're with Annie on Showreel and we're focusing on a fabulous film called Three Chords and the Truth and uh, that's actually part, uh, part of the script, of course, the uh, truism from Nashville. Uh, that's how the guts of a song, Three Chords and the Truth. And I'm talking to the director, Claire Pazvosky. It's going to be shown at uh, the Sun Cinema in Melbourne and uh, it starts October the 5th. I'd love you to go along. Uh, it's a real tearjerker, but in a good way. And this is the last part of the conversation that I had with Claire. The way it's being distributed gives me the impression of the people that you know and how many more people you need to know. Is that mm. correct? Uh, how to get such a gem of a film out to the a broader audience where people realise that it, yeah, and and 
how Australia is a network of different kind of uh, uh, communities. And so, for example, this film's going to be shown at the Sun Cinema in Melbourne, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, so it's, this is challenging, right? But but I think because, you know, we didn't have any government funding for this film, it was, we had private finance and not a lot of it. So we were so, it was, you know, it was incredibly emotional that the first festival we were accepted into was Brisbane International Film Festival where we screened and that's Jackie's hometown. So that was very special to have our first live audience and we had we were so you, you don't know too how your film's going to be received it's not it's certainly not for everybody it's as you say it's a very it's it's an art house film but i think too i wasn't prepared for the audience's response which was you couldn't hear a pin drop and then i heard breathing like <gasps> and i was like oh people are crying people are crying yay <laughs> didn't because you just don't know the first time and we got applause and standing ovation we had something like 400 people that first screening so it was incredibly special um and then word spread and people like where can we see that where can we see this and then we get into sydney film festival which kind of changed everything again which was wonderful and then most recently cinefest oz so I went over to bustleton and you know, met the community over there. But, you know, it's a small story to be coming to Melbourne is amazing. Um, and I think, yeah, that's probably the right place for it. Um, yeah, I think so. It's a good, yeah. well, it's a, it's a lovely cinema and it's a mm. lovely community. So, yeah, it's a perfect, uh, it's just that it's uh, it's interesting that it should be there. Um, the most important thing is it's it's because it's a, it's a small film and we don't have stars in it, it's it's like how we're really just hoping that everybody will go, as many people will go to it. So it's really sort of about word of mouth, I suppose. But yeah, if if anything you can do to um, get the audience in Yarraville to come along. You're on Showreel with Annie, and uh, we're leaving a uh, wonderful film that's just come out called Three Chords and the Truth. That you do yourself a favour if you go down to the Sun Cinema on October the fifth and uh, buy a ticket and get along there. There's going to be a Q and A, so get up on the uh, website and check to see if the Q and A is actually on the sixth. I'm not entirely sure, so just have a check on the uh, times. And uh, but the cinema is the Sun Cinema in Yarraville. That's also a great treat. We're going to go out with one of the songs that's in the film called Breathe Little One and it of course features Jackie Marshall tune in next week coming up next is Published or Not
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.